welcome to the podcast. Today, we're going to talk about a relevant subject of managing our inner demons. And I am honored to have on the podcast our new host, Brad Williams. Brad leads ministries here at our campuses, but also uh, leads a local business as well, has worked with many great leaders and entertainers in our world. I'm honored to have him as our new host as we kick off the new format of this podcast. This is the Rusty George Podcast. Hey, welcome to the podcast. We are honored today to have a friend with us. I was going to say new friend, but uh, been a friend for a long time. Brad Williams uh, joining us to be kind of the MC of our conversation. Uh, Brad is a serial entrepreneur, uh, father of a half a dozen kids, as you like to say, <laughs> all around great guy and been a part of our real life church ministries for many years. So Brad, thank you for joining us and being a part of the conversation. Um, thank you for having me, Rusty. It is an honor uh, to be here. And I'm looking forward to to hanging out with you and talking about some things that matter and that can help a whole lot of people. So um, to to start off today's podcast, uh, like Rusty said, I'm the MC. Uh, honored to be here, and um, I want us to talk about uh, some things as it pertains to leadership. Uh, one of the things that uh, I feel like, just as a member of Real Life Church, uh, Rusty, that you've done very well is uh, the way you and the team here leads, um, the way you deal with a lot of the uh, things that happen in the world and in life. Um, and by, by deal with, what I mean is by staying focused on the mission, I feel like you're able to teach the members here more than you actually realize. So in this day and age, there's a whole lot of leaders that are struggling with managing their inner demons um, in the business world, in the church world. And today I want to discuss, I want to ask you uh, how it is you deal with that as a leader and what you would recommend for young leaders, old leaders, other leaders uh, to do uh, when it comes to battling what they're dealing with on the inside. Well, Brad, that's such a relevant topic uh, for today, and we're seeing reports constantly of leaders who uh, kind of crumble under the stress and under the, the anxiety, and sometimes there are some mental health issues such as depression. Um, certainly, anxiety plays a role. I, I can't name one leader who doesn't struggle with some level of anxiety. Uh, I think social media only adds fuel to that fire because you're constantly seeing what other people are doing and judging yourself based upon that. So I think a, a couple of the things that I, I have learned along the way, because I've struggled with this, I've struggled this, with this my whole life. Um, I don't know how many of our listeners know this, but um, first of all, I was just kind of born with a little bit of high anxiety. And what I mean by that is uh, I had an ulcer in the second grade. So mm -hmm. there's not a lot of people uh, in the second grade, kids that, that is, that, uh, you know, are, are popping Tums and uh, <laughs> struggling with such things. But uh, that was me. And I remember, you know, hearing them say, well, you're like your dad and he's got a lot of stomach acid and kind of a nervous stomach were some of the terms they used. And as I got older, I began to realize part of it's my personality. And I'm a number six on the Enneagram. So I get uh, 
when things go wrong, I, I shift into a fear motive, you know, of, or mode of, oh, things are only going to get worse. And uh, I also, you know, uh, get scared to death of people uh, not being loyal to me, which can can really fuel that. Um, and then you put yourself in a position where you're in the public eye and and the church staffs are known for having lots of turnover because God just kind of reshuffles the uh, the chessboard from time to time. And it really begins to play into that. So probably about six years ago, I, I hit the wall or maybe the hit the bottom, so to speak, of, mm-hmm. of near burnout. But uh, certainly of uh, I just didn't know how I was going to do this anymore. And one of the key learnings I had from a counselor was, you know, the scriptures teach us how Jesus um, was commented on by John as being somebody who did not entrust himself to men uh, because he knew the hearts of men. And this counselor told me about the difference between trusting people, but entrusting yourself to God. You trust people with responsibilities and you give them tasks they can run with and learn with. um, But you entrust your heart to your heavenly father. He's the only one that can handle it. Mm-hmm. And learning that uh, was huge for me. And and to be honest, Brad, you said something to me early on in our friendship that I wrote down, and I think about it often, uh, because all pastors and all leaders are 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 nervous about people who leave, or people who uh, walk away from our mission or vision. And you said to me, "People are here for a reason, a season, or a lifetime," and that just stuck with me. And I think I'd spent my whole life thinking everybody should be as committed to my mission as I am. And everybody should be in it for the long haul as I am when that's that's really not always their path, even though it might be mine. So I think learning a couple of those things helps us manage some of that anxiety and stress that we have, putting it into the right perspective. I think the older you get, um, you realize people aren't thinking about you as much as you think they are. <laughs> They're really thinking about themselves. Yeah. Um, and in the church world, most crises are over in two weeks because everybody's going back to their own crises. So once you start to get a little bit of a handle on that, it starts to right size some of the problems that you deal with. Yeah, no, that's that's good. And if, while you're speaking, it reminded me of something we had talked about a book, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm hmm. Uh, and how um, being proactive, um, I feel like when we start trying to control the things that we can't control, yeah. you know, that's when we struggle. I mean, it said in the book, it talked about how successful people focus on the things that act- they can control. They can actually control. So you have people out there complaining and worried about, you know, inflation and the weather and the government and all these things. They're they're anguishing over but they can't control anything and instead of being caught up in that if you're worried about inflation why don't you focus on uh picking up a a class or learning a trade you know do something you can control to help deal with the situation that's what successful people do and so for you as a leader how much do you think that play comes into play in in terms of trying to control what you can't well, that's huge. Uh, I, I think every day you go home and you're going through in your mind, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? And, you know, most of the time I'm worried about things that I have no control over. I, mm-hmm. I don't know what people are thinking, what they're going to do. Um, a friend of mine once told me I can't control anything outside of my own skin. And he's he's right. I mean, it's, it's really, uh, it's pretty limited on what it is we can control. 
Um, I read a book uh, years ago that a, another counselor, I have a team of them apparently, uh, <laughs> had recommended for me uh, called Loving What Is. And she mentions in there, um, there's three lanes. There's God's lane, there's our lane, and there's er other people's lanes. And mm -hmm. life is really just about staying in your lane. Most of the things I'm worried about are in somebody else's lane. Uh, what yeah. God's going to do about something, what other people are going to do about something, when really all I can deal with is me. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. And it's like, how do you, I think the question is like, when you talk to most leaders, especially spiritual leaders, um, I feel like they're almost a victim of their own uh, intellect or wisdom because you, they know all day long what it is they need to do, but it's lacking the wisdom of actually doing what they know. Mm -hmm. Right. So how, as a leader, do you make that, how is it, how do you focus on, because just like, like you were saying, a lot of leaders are struggling. There are a lot of people there's, you know, we, we heard about a, a recent pastor committing suicide. Um, there are a lot of leaders that are struggling with a lot of inner demons, a lot of things. And they're trying to, I feel like they're trying to cope with these things in their own power and they're leaning on their knowledge. But uh, I learned a long time ago that knowledge is to know and wisdom is to do. Hmm. That's good. So how do you how do you make that transition from knowing it? Because, you know, but it's the doing that I think is the struggle. Yeah. And I think about a, a practice I, I learned a while back and I've been trying to do. And because I, I think that, you know, you and I both like to read and the the trap that we fall into is how many books can I read as quickly as possible? And, yeah. you know, I'm listening to one on Audible. I've got another one that I'm reading on Kindle, another one I'm reading in the physical book form. And I'm completing books and I'm putting them on the shelf, but what am I doing with them? So a few weeks ago, I got this book that was just great. And I thought, I'm not going to read another book till I read this one five times. And I think when you do that, you begin to internalize some stuff. And then after a while, some stuff starts popping off the page and you think, okay, I could start putting a few of these things into practice. Um, mm -hmm. I used to feel that way when I'd go to conferences and still do at times because it's just drinking from a fire hydrant. You get so much information. But I started thinking, okay, instead of coming home with 20 ideas of what to do next, if I can get one thing, just one thing, and actually do it for six months, that will be a win. So I think probably right-sizing some of our expectations and there's so much information yeah. out there, so many podcasts to listen to, uh, so many books to read, so many uh, YouTube videos to watch and, and seminars to listen to. If you can just downsize everything into one piece of wisdom that then you put into your calendar to do something with, or yeah. it's something that you teach to somebody else, um, that at least begins to uh, turn the knowledge into a little bit of wisdom into practicality. Yeah. Yeah. So and that's good. I think that's that's spot on. At least if you calendar it, it's going to remind you to actually do it and you can kind of self correct. Right. Um, but when it comes to managing your inner demons um, and when it comes to dealing with the weight of being a leader, do you feel you wrote a book um, better together? Mm -hmm. And the book, I feel like, was extremely impactful to a lot of people. And it just reminded us that we are better together. So I, I think my question, my next question to you, uh, when it comes to you and other leaders out there, anybody listening in business, um, in churches, um, we, we do thrive in community. And I feel like 
even you, Rusty, like a lot of leaders, they're trying to do so much by themselves. What is the struggle? Like, why is it a lack of trust for others? Or, you know, what is it that keeps leaders from uh, having community with individuals they trust so that they can help share some of these things that they're struggling with? Uh, the scripture, uh, the scripture comes to mind um, where it talks about um, it talks about us coming together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And um, I'm thinking about Acts, right? Right. And I'm thinking about Acts and I'm thinking about how they came together, they ate, they broke bread. Um, they did all these things collectively. Um, and then you look at the example Jesus gave us in terms of his disciples, his inner circle, Um what is the struggle? Why is it that I feel like so many leaders struggle with with leaning on other people? I think in a sentence, and I, I know this is what it was for me, it's arrogance dis, uh, disguised as humility. And here's mm. what I mean by that. We think, and this is what we project, this is the humility side, no one cares what's going on with me. But the arrogant side underneath it is no one understands how difficult I have it. Right. In other words, my problems are greater than anybody else's and nobody would get it. And we think that that's not arrogance, but it is because it's, it's extremely self-focused and it's an assumption that nobody else is on our plane, even if it's not, even if it's a lower plane, you know? So I think right. once you begin to admit I need other people. I am not alone. I need to share this because there's somebody else that's feeling the same way. Uh, that's when the the real healing begins. Um, yeah. One of the stories I shared in Better Together was a conversation I had with a, a fellow pastor um, uh, named Tim Harlow. And uh, hopefully Tim's going to be a guest on this podcast soon. But um, I was just talking to him about some of my struggles and pain in ministry. And, and I'd known Tim well enough and long enough that I felt like I could share some of this. And mm. But truthfully, I didn't think that he could relate because I thought, you know, he's a successful guy at a bigger church than mine. There's no way he's felt any of these pains that I've felt. And he ends up telling me a story of even greater betrayal than I had experienced. And suddenly I realized he gets it. And it was in that moment I realized that the problems are all the same. They just take different, um, you know, shapes and forms in people, but we're all facing the same thing. We're scared uh, to be rejected. We're scared to never be known. Uh, we're scared that somebody will know us and then walk away from us. And the quicker we get over that and share that with somebody, I think the better off we'll be. So when it comes to leadership, I really do think that you have to admit you you are, you cannot do this on your own. You have problems mm -hmm. that others can relate to, and then you have to choose, you know, the right people, uh, make wise decisions and the right. people that are close to you that you can share these with. Because if all I do is stand up on stage and talk about my weaknesses and my fears and my demons, I'm not sure if that really helps people. I'm not sure if that even helps me. It just is basically a sounding board, but no one's holding me accountable. No one's 
no one's given the right to share their struggles. I just share them and walk off stage. But to actually engage with somebody else and to not only share your struggles, but to listen to their struggles as well, that's when you really begin to develop this community. And that's when you really do face your inner demons. Um, and right. facing those inner demons means you've got to be prepared to listen to somebody else's inner demons too. Yeah. And I think the key word you said there is listen. Yep. You know, I think um, one of the, my takeaways, one of my favorite ministries, um, favorite ministries, favorite curriculums, favorite ministries that I've been a part of in the past to celebrate recovery. And I feel like the enemy, when it comes to managing your inner demons, is picking leaders off uh, one at a time. You know, I, I almost have a you ever see those documentaries where there's like a herd of animals and the ones that are straggling or the ones that are by themselves are the ones that get picked off. Yes, I have. <laughs> that's how I that's how I feel when I look at a lot of a lot of what leaders go through across the board. I feel like they're getting picked off because they're splitting from the pack. They're not engaging in community. Um, the scripture reference that I was uh, trying to recall earlier was James 5.16, where it says, uh, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Uh, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Mm. Uh, the thing I love about that scripture is, you know, we know that if we confess to Christ, um, we'll be will be forgiven. But the only time it talks about healing in that instance is when you pray for each other. And when it comes to battling our inner demons, I feel like if the enemy can keep us as leaders isolated, that's where he has us. Yeah. You know, and that's why that, that's why I love that. Once again, that's better together. And uh, in Celebrate Recovery, it talks about openly examining and confessing your faults to yourself, to God and someone you trust. Right. And um, I feel like leadership wise, you know, we can all learn from being um, really from doing this thing the way God intended, which is together. Uh, so for you as a leader, have you ever like what what do you feel like? Uh, we can actually do um, for these young leaders, for these individuals who are battling these demons in silence mm. to bring them together. Mm. It's such a, uh, it's such a great question, Brad. And I think we could spend uh, weeks talking about this, but I think just having the time and the patience to ask people, how are you doing really? Just adding that one word allows people to mean or allows people to think, Oh, huh. You really want to know. This is not just a, uh, you know, a cordial thing to say um, mm -hmm. and, and creating a little bit of space to listen to them and then follow up with them. Uh, I've started when I have lunch with somebody and say, how can I pray for you? And they tell me I'll write it down on my phone so I don't forget. And so I can ask them about it later. I find that that blows people's minds that I would actually follow up with the prayer request. And I think when you begin to do that, you begin to build friendships, build bridges, and find people you can trust as well. Uh, what's the old saying? The best way to find a friend is to be a friend. And I, I think that's that's kind of where it goes. I think the tricky thing is, what do you do when somebody has admitted they struggle with these things and they're battling inner demons? Um, and it looks like they've done all they possibly can, and you're doing all you possibly can. And yet they still make that tragic decision, as we saw with this recent suicide. Um, I think that's where sometimes you have to be um, a little bit aggressive to find out how to help and recognize that at, at some point, um, as much as you do for somebody, um, they make their own decisions. 
And I think we all want to feel some guilt when somebody takes their life, when somebody dies by suicide. Um, but at, at, at the end of the day, um, as we've said earlier, you make your decisions and you have to control what's within your own skin. As you were talking, I was thinking about how a lot of leaders do try to play God in other people's lives. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think the biggest realization as a leader is that I can't drag anyone across the finish line. Right. Right. You know, I all I can do is plant and water, like the scripture says. Right. Exactly. You know, you plant seeds, you water, and God, He provides the increase. And sometimes there are people. Um, it's it's it reminds me when Jesus was um, where He healed the man, and before He healed him, He asked him, "Do you want to be healed?" You know, I feel like leaders. A lot of you, uh, in particular pastors, take on a whole lot because you don't ask that question, do you actually want to be healed first? Right. Everybody's not willing to be helped. Everybody doesn't want to be helped. So, you know, you shake the dust off your feet and you move on. Well, thanks so much for listening to part one of Managing Your Inner Demons. Uh, Next week, we'll be back for part two. So join us then and make sure you share this with a friend.